For Rocio Rebiar Gomez, it's possible that this Christmas might be the last one she sees her children. Gomez is undocumented, and after a ruling from immigration court, she must leave the country by January 2nd. That's even after she sought protection to the military. Her son, Lieutenant Gibram Cruz, is an Army intelligence officer. That request was denied. For the San Diego Union Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is Border Dispatch, a special episode of your San Diego News Fix. Kate Morrissey, you're part of the border team at the Union Tribune, and recently you wrote a story about a holiday that's somewhat tragic for the Cruz family. Why don't you explain what's going on? Yeah, so um, the mother of an army officer, her name is Rocio Reboyar Gomez, um, she is about to have to leave the United States. She's about to have to self-deport um, Immigration and Customs Enforcement has given her the date of January 2nd um, as the date that she has to leave the country. Um, her son is is an Army officer. He was enlisted for four years and re-upped with his commission. Um, she has two other daughters, one in college and one who uh, has a young family in Orange County. And so uh, they're all sort of trying to process... Um, what's happening to their mother or grandmother um, and and sort of, you know, throwing a, a Hail Mary to the public to see if there's anything that can be done um, to try and keep this from happening. Uh, Rocio has been in this country for um, about three decades. Mm-hmm. Um, she has been forced to leave it already a couple of times and each time has come right back to her children Um, When her son was in high school, she was um, taken from their home on a Saturday morning and removed. Um, And so her children have, you know, very strong memories of of that happening. But she's always found a way to come back to them. And now um, that sort of complicated immigration history um, has has sort of run its course and and caught up with her. And um, the family requested discretion because of the son's military service. There Mm -hmm. are programs in place to help uh, the family members of of active service members, Um, but her request was denied, and so now she's being required to leave. Mm -hmm. And we've seen across the board just less discretion, less everything when it comes to immigration. Is that true with this program that is aimed at service members? You know, I haven't heard about a lot of cases in this particular program. I know of a couple who were able to, in the last couple of years, get some kind of deferred action um, for their for their cases mm-hmm. because they were with somebody who was active military. Um, but certainly across the board we are we are hearing about more denials, more scrutiny, um, things that in the past might not have been a deciding factor that would, would cause a denial now are are becoming deciding factors or becoming more heavily weighed. Um, the administration continues to put out new rules that, that further that end of, of creating more roadblocks that would, mm-hmm. would increase denials. Certainly, and that it just seems that in the past there was that kind of, I wouldn't call it like a myth, but assumption that if you had someone 
with questionable legal status who enlisted in the military, there was an assumption that they'd get, you know, citizenship or something. But that isn't the case, right? Well, so um, citizenship and immigration status and the military for people who are in the military is a is a slightly separate and also very mm-hmm. complicated issue. Um, so this woman's son was born born here. He's a U.S. citizen. His status is not an issue. Um, there, there is, of course, the big topic of deported veterans, people who, you know, were green card holders when they joined the military and never went through with the citizenship processing, uh, either, you know, maybe because they assumed that by being in the military, it had automatically happened or, mm-hmm. you know, for whatever reason. Um, and then when they get out for one reason or another, they end up uh, losing their green card uh, and or having it taken away and being deported. Um, so that that is something that is is an ongoing issue and a, and, a, and a big topic in our region as well. But in this case, it's a it's a separate program that we're talking about where where somebody who's not directly in the military themselves, but but rather it's more to alleviate the anxiety of the family member who is active military, that mm-hmm. their job is to focus on serving our country and keeping it safe. And if they're worried about their loved one getting kicked out of the country at the same time, that can be very difficult. And so the idea is to have these kinds of programs that can keep them from having to deal with that. Mm -hmm. And let's step back a little bit and kind of go through Rocio's kind of immigration history. Uh, You mentioned that she was deported a couple of times. Can you explain how that process works? So she has um, a number of of different things that happened to her. she initially was uh, sort of discovered in a raid on her her workplace in the mm-hmm. mid-90s and was removed the same day. Um, and then she came back. Um, the records on that removal are not super clear, it sounds like. It was a long time ago, and, mm-hmm. and you know, sometimes these things don't get as well documented when they're in the past. But then um, she was uh, picked up again in the sort of early mid 2000s. Um, She went through a court case for several years, ended up taking what's called a voluntary departure. Um, And that is something you can only do once. And it doesn't have the same sort of consequences that a deportation on your record has. So Mm -hmm. with the voluntary departure, you would at some point have more hope of having somebody sponsor a visa for you to be able to come back, for example. Um, It's not going to ding you as hard as a deportation would ding you if you later try to go through that process. Um, So she, she was voluntarily returned. She came back. Um, she was found again. She went back to immigration court. And at that point, she was ordered deported mm-hmm. um, and then came back again. And so then in 2018, she was found again. Um, she was um, when she was picked up, she made a uh, a claim of, of fear to return to her hometown of Acapulco, which mm-hmm. has um, become quite. Uh, dangerous in the last several years. Her brother was actually disappeared by um, the cartel there and the family was extorted for thousands of dollars and even though they paid the money, they never even got his body back. They don't know what 
what has become of him. And so she said, you know, I'm afraid if I go back, that will happen to me. They're going to know that I have family. I have children in the U.S. People with strong U.S. ties are often targeted because they know the money is there. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially with her son being a member of the military, that only furthers, in her mind, this idea that she would be targeted. But because she has the prior deportation, she's not eligible for uh, the asylum program as we as we think of it and as we talk about it with most of the people who are arriving at the border making claims of fear mm-hmm. um, she would only be eligible for two other um, programs that don't provide as as much like you don't ever get put on a path to a green card or citizenship they basically just say you can stay here because you're really in danger of of being killed or tortured if you leave so we're going to let you stay in the country but you're not allowed to like leave and come back um and so she applied for those programs but the uh the legal standard that you have to meet to show that your fear is real for those programs is much higher than it is for regular asylum Mm -hmm. and um, the asylum officer found that she did not meet that threshold. So that was denied. And that's when they applied for this sort of deferred action because of her son's military status. And then that was recently denied. Mm-hmm. So at this point, are all avenues exhausted for her? From a legal perspective, yes. According to her attorney, she when we visited her office the other day, she said, there's not really anything more that I can do from a legal perspective for her case. At this point, it's in ICE's hands. It's their discretion. They could choose to have discretion in this case if they wanted to, um, but it's entirely up to them. Mm -hmm. Certainly. So what has the response been from the broader immigration advocate community about this story? Because, you know, it kind of has all the pieces for uh, activism. So I've I've definitely received some messages from readers asking if there's anything they can do, you know, as U.S. citizens to to speak up or or if there's anything to be done on behalf of this woman. Um, you know, I know that the attorney has already gotten several congressional offices involved and they're making inquiries. Um, I've seen moments in which a congressional office inquiry can have an impact, and I've seen other moments in which they really don't. It's mm-hmm. very hard to say. I think the human element of this story mm-hmm. is what's really um, grabbing people. We wrote about her story once already when her her deferred action was denied. Uh, another one of our reporters actually went with her that day to, to check in and find out what was going to happen with her. Um, but I think, you know, it's the... It's the image of the son coming back from from where he's stationed in order to be with his mom for a couple of days. Uh, you know, them at the airport, them spending time at home. Um, and he knows that he doesn't have very much time left with her in this country. Mm-hmm. He knows because he's an intelligence officer that it's going to be very difficult for him to visit her in Mexico. He said that he has to put in a request like 45 days in advance if he wants to leave the country and he has to go through all these different briefings and there's places where he can't go and it's it's a very complicated process for someone in his position to be able to leave and so he has this very real concern about um, whether he'll even be able to see her let alone keep her safe if she's on the other side of the border 
Um, and so that, I think that sort of perspective from him is the new piece in, in what we've learned just in the last week and, and really getting to understand their family dynamic. All right. Kate Morrissey, thank you so much. Thank you. In other border news, 28 more immigration judges have been appointed, bringing the current total to 465. That's the highest number of judges in history. People on all sides of the immigration debate have long argued that more immigration judges are needed in order to work through a backlog of cases that leaves many waiting years for resolution. Some critics have said the current administration policies outside of judge hiring have contributed to the backlog rather than reducing it. Others have said the Executive Office of Immigration Review hasn't kept up with hiring enough support staff like translators to keep all of the courtrooms running as efficiently as possible. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. If you also like your news in your email inbox, we've got you covered. You can sign up for breaking news, top headlines, business, sports, entertainment, watchdog, caregiving, and more. We've also got Boletines in Espanol, plus emails for Pacific Magazine and a host of community newspapers. Just go to unionjib.com newsletters. Until next time.